This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. So if you have your Bibles, look with me now in James chapter 4, and we are on the closing verse of this chapter. We're talking about the sin of omission. That's the doctrine that resonates with uh, this particular verse so well. Probably one of the best scriptures that uh, complements verse number 17 that I can think of is Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Let me read this for you, and I hope you'll write Galatians 6.10 in the margin of your Bible here. James 4.17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Those two scriptures go hand in hand together with doing what we know to be right. And I've already set the tone and the pace with this this thing about the sin of omission. Uh, But I want to as we get to the end of the verse uh, tonight, I want to round it off with some thoughts that I had put down some time ago. I think one of the things that we need to be conscious of is that the sin of omission is not reflective entirely upon doing things that we ought not to be doing but rather not doing the things we ought to be doing. That's a big difference. The sin of commission, we could say, is doing the things that we ought not to be doing. The sin of omission is neglecting the things that we know we need to be doing. By the way, let me say this, that the sin of omission can get us in just as much trouble as the sin of commission. I want you to get this tonight. This is important. As I've shared with you in the last at least two other Wednesday nights, the doctrine that is taught in verse number 17 is not a cardinal doctrine. You don't have to believe this to be saved. But because we are saved, it's like this. We're not saved by works. But when we become saved, we do work. We serve the Lord. So you get that. Titus 3, 5 teaches us that we're not saved to works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So I, I want you to get this tonight, that not doing the things that we should be doing can get us in all kinds of trouble as well. And one of the things that I jotted down here in my notes tonight is uh, the, the importance of a pure thought life, a pure conscience. Because a lot of times where we get into the trouble with the sin of commission is with our minds. And I'm going to give you several scripture tonight, but likewise we can hook it to and get from it the sin 
of omission as well. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Philippians just a moment here, and I want you to see this. It seems like here lately I've been helping a lot of folks with this particular frame of mind, this thought, um, because a lot of times if we're not careful, the devil can play with our mind and not only convince us to do things that we ought not to do, but he will also convince us that we shouldn't do or we need to neglect or whatever ways of means of procrastination, uh, not do the things that we should do. And so one of the things that I want to help you with tonight is in Philippians chapter 4, and this is a very a tremendous passage of scripture. This will help you um, in your thought process and your thinking. In Philippians chapter 4, I want you to notice what the word says here. This is important. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, notice what the word says, think on these things. I'm going to give you a couple of other scriptures to write in the margin of your Bible right here because I want you to frequent this because the devil would love to play with your mind. I want you to write in your Bible in the margin here, Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 7, because the word says, For as a man thinketh, so is he. And here is the thing that I want you to think about at this point. I've got two other scriptures that I want to give you along this line. But the thought primarily in my notes tonight is to share with you is that when we omit the good thoughts that we are told in the word of God to think upon, then bad thoughts are going to dominate us. And it's amazing how much of our minds have an effect on our life. That's important. I want you to see something else here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, and by the way, this is leading to somewhere we're going someplace with this tonight, so I want you to stay with us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, the Bible says, And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds, that's important, underline that word, minds, if you're taking notes tonight, you're writing scripture down. Blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But out of the scriptures that I've given you thus far, probably one of the most important ones is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3. Again, the Apostle Paul is writing and he says this, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, or he, he tricked Eve, he deceived Eve, through his subtlety, Look at this. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I want to show you how this works, and I want you to see if you can connect the dots with me tonight. Go all the way back to 2 Samuel, if you will. And I want you to see in chapter 11, verse number 1. 
Now, let me remind you while you're turning to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Sin of commission is when you do things we ought not to be doing. The sin of omission is when we neglect to do the things that we ought to be doing. And our minds have a significant impact on both of those two, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. But I want you to see this now, how it unfolds in the life of David. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse number 1, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. And then look at this very carefully. But David tarried still. And in my notes in my Bible, I have underlined the word still. That's significant. David tarried still at Jerusalem. So we all know the tragedies of David's life. What he was thinking had a significant uh, effect on what he ultimately did. Remember, as a man thinketh, so is he. Now, how is it? We, we know the terrible thing that David did with Bathsheba, but also with Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. David was not only guilty of adultery, but he was also guilty of first-degree premeditated murder. He set Uriah up for this. So, so how, how is this possible that David, being the man of God that he, he was, how, how did he get in so much trouble? Here's the thing. David first got in trouble with his mind before he got in trouble with Bathsheba. So remember now, as a man thinketh, so is he. That's why I gave you these scriptures. Paul said, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We cannot be thinking of bad things if we're thinking on good things. You cannot do that simultaneously. Okay, so now underline this part in Second Samuel. This is significant. And I looked at this a dozen times, and it seemed to almost just leap off of the pages. Notice this part. When the kings go forth to battle. Now, David was a king, no doubt. We all know that. And here's the thing. There were seasons of time when kings just ultimately went out to battle. And, uh, you know, the scripture says to everything there is a season. But look at this. When kings go forth to battle, David still tarried in Jerusalem. That's significant. This was a time when David himself as a king should have been on the battlefield with the other kings. He should have been there. But the scripture said he tarried still at Jerusalem. While all of the other kings were out on the battlefield, David tarried in Jerusalem. And not only did he tarry in Jerusalem, but the scripture says, instead of him going to battle, 
he sent Joab to represent him. And I want you to notice this word carefully in verse number one. And again, I've asked you to underline it still. And this indicates that God had previously been dealing with David. And David chose to still linger. The truth of the matter is this. We are all one choice away from disaster. One choice. When David should have been on the battlefield, he lingered in Jerusalem. But what was significant to me was the word still, which meant that God, and I don't know how many times, God had been wooing him to, listen, you need, you need to get out of here. You need to get to where the battle is. You need to be doing what you ought to be doing. You don't need to be staying here. You're fixing to get yourself in trouble. I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit as a believer that who we refer to as the Spirit of God brings deep conviction. We call it the wooing of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit directs us. He moves us. He leads us. He guides us in all things, as Jesus said he would do, as the comforter. But the Spirit of God had been wooing on David's heart. Because this word still, he still lingered. But David tarried still. It wasn't the first time God said, get out of this place right now and get to be doing what you need to be doing. God was working on his heart. God was confronting him in his soul. And instead of listening to the wooing of the Spirit of God, God moving him, instead of that, David still tarried in Jerusalem. Now in verse 2 here, when David should have been on the battlefield, here's the thing. He was in bed. Instead of the battlefield, he was in bed. Now, that doesn't sound like the David that I know in the beginning of all of this stuff about David. Doesn't sound like the David we knew before this, but had had been thousands of times, I think, said that idleness and an idle mind is the devil's workshop. A couple of things, procrastination. If I have a pet peeve in my anatomy, in my life, in my ministry, it's procrastination. I, I don't deal very well with that. I really don't. That's, that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's a short fuse that I have. I, when there's stuff to be done, I, I want to do it and get it done and get it over with, get it behind me, move on to something else. But it's been said a thousand of times that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And here's the thing. If we, with our minds especially, if we give the devil just a window, a door, a crack of light, I can assure you that whatever you give him, he will choose to go through it. He's not going to say not today. You don't have to worry about that. You will never have to worry about the devil getting in your perimeter 
and saying not today. Because he's subtle, he's clever. The Bible says he's a murderer, he's a thief, he's a liar. He will do whatever it takes to bring us to a place because he knows if he can get into our mind, he's going to get in our heart. Isn't that true? So we have to think on the good things. As a man thinketh, so is he. Here's the thing. David got in trouble because he committed the sin of omission. This is what happened. David got into trouble because he failed to do what he should have been doing. He should have done exactly what God said to do. Get out of here. But he stayed. He failed because he didn't do what the other kings were doing, what was expected of him, and that was to be on the battlefield. Had he been doing what he should have been doing. Now, we're not talking about, at this point, the things that he shouldn't have done. We're talking right now about what he should have done. And he should not have been in bed at this time of the day, especially he should have been on the battlefield doing what these other kings uh, were doing, and that was the time of battle. I think probably one of the reasons why so many of God's family get ourselves in such disturbances at times is because that we are neglecting so many of the right things that we need to be doing for whatever reason we're procrastinating it. And I want to show you something else in the scripture here along this line tonight. In Numbers chapter 32, and I hope that I can shine some light on a scripture that maybe has been taught or even preached out of context uh, more times than I want to think about. But in Numbers chapter 32, verse number 23, this goes hand in hand of what we're speaking about. This is a classic passage of scripture. Most of us are well familiar with it. The Bible says this, but if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. How many times have we ever heard that? And then how many times have we ever heard that taught and how many times have we ever heard that preached? But here's, do we really understand this text? Moses is warning the tribes of Gad and Reuben here when he's saying these words. Here's the thing. The children of Israel were on their way to the promised land and they are camped on the east side of Jordan. They have come to a place where it's really beautiful it's really tranquil. The grass is tall. The grass is green. And the tribes of Gad and Reuben have lots of cattle, well-watered areas. And so they say to Moses, Moses, you keep talking about the beauty of the promised land. And you keep talking about the other side of Jordan. And you want us to go over to the West Bank when life is good on the East Bank. I cannot tell you how many times Moses had to deal with that kind of discord and dissension. It was about to drive him crazy, and we know the ultimate sin in his life where he struck the rock instead of spoke to it, and he was provoked. Doesn't excuse it, but he was provoked. 
So these people are telling him, he's saying, listen, you need to get to the West Bank. He's, they're saying, no, we like it over here. We like it. Listen, they got giants over there and there's, there's so much trouble over there. Listen, we, we want to stay right here. And they've said, we've discussed it. We've talked it over. And you can get that now. They've, they've got it all figured out. We think, we believe that because of the obstacles that our inheritance is just as good on the east side of Jordan as what you're saying it to be on the west side of Jordan. And Moses said, well, if that's what you want, then you do it. There's a consequence to it. We know the ultimate story, the 40 years. But here's the thing. He proceeded to tell them that just beyond Jordan was Canaan. Just beyond the obstacle, the giants, all the opposition, he was saying, just beyond that now, it's within the reach. Just beyond it is Canaan. And he told them that, listen, at some point, our brothers are going to face these giants and we're going to be dealing with these obstacles. And Moses told them that when the battle started, they better come running with their swords in their hands and not to neglect uh, these brethren. And, and Moses said this, listen, in order to do that, you're going to have to get yourself out of the east side. You're going to have to get yourself in the west side. You're going to have to leave your families momentarily to do it. And then after the battle is won, Moses basically said this, look, if you want to dwell on the wrong side of the promise, you go ahead and do that if that's what you want to do. Now, here it is. And this is the scripture that we hear many times, but I think more times than not, it's taken out of context in Romans 32 or Numbers 32, verse 23. But if you will not do so, look at this. Behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. And, and this scripture is not about doing what you ought not to be doing, which has been preached many, many times before. But notice this part, sinned against the Lord. Now, what was the sin? It was failing to do what they should have done. And in comparison, listen carefully, I think the church, not Buford Row Baptist, but it's included in the church, the body of Christ. I think it's in the same kind of a situation today. There are so many believers in the body of Christ who want to camp on the wrong side of the blessing, who want to camp on the wrong side of Jordan, while some do all the work, while some do all everything that's necessary to be done. And there's, there's so much to, to be done in, in the ministry of the Lord. But the truth of the matter is this, God expects us all to be involved in the service. I've probably said this a hundred times too. You remember when Moses sent the two spies in? Do you know that Caleb was 80 years old when he said, give me that mountain? So listen, I... I'm thankful I've lived to see my dad at the ripe age of moving on to 91, but he still cleans the church. 
I, you know what? I'm not going to let him stop. He's come to me many times. Well, if you want me to sit down, I, was, I don't want you to sit down. What's wrong with you? And I'm thinking, if you sit down, then i got to do 10 more times work that I'm doing. Danny's got to do 10 more. If you sit down, we're all in trouble. I don't want him to sit down. So the point being is this. Wait, listen, if if you're saying, well, I just can't do much today. I, I, all I, I guess all I can do is pray. Prayer is the greatest resource that we have on this planet. So I will tell you, I would put prayer along the side of preaching the word, proclaiming the word, living the word. So I want you to see this now. I hope, you're, I hope this is starting to make a little sense to you tonight. God expects us all to serve. He expects us all to be involved. He expects us all to have part and hands on in the ministry. He expects us all to be busy. But a lot of people just want to stay on the wrong side of the blessing, on the wrong side of the Jordan. And while they simply sit on the wrong side of the Jordan, everything in their life seems to be falling apart at the seams. If Sometimes if you talk to them for any length of time, you think about this. You you say, how you doing? Well, they'll give you the truth and sometimes they'll add to the truth. Well, I'm not doing too good. If you start, if you start talking that stuff all the time, and, and let me rephrase that a little bit. If you start hanging around somebody that's negative all of the time and complaining about every little thing, because listen, the truth of the matter is, don't we all hurt when we get out of bed? Don't we all do that? I mean, you think about it, I'm, I'm 60, I will be 64 in September, and I, listen, there are times I need, I think I need a forklift to move me out of the bed in the morning. And, but listen, we, we all, we all have these things. My back, your back, and out of breath, and not enough hours in a day and we I mean but listen if you hang around negative people long enough whatever their ailment is you're going to end up with it I, I don't care what it is migraine, headaches, backaches knee problems but you, you'll, you'll end up with it you see, it's, it's about the mind. You've got to keep your mind clean and pure and think on these things. Think on the good things. And, and here's the thing. You've got to keep your faith in check. You've got to keep walking by faith. If somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I'm so physically weak, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I've had people tell me that at times, and it's truthfully so. I mean, I believe it. But, but if they were to say, I, I just can't put one foot before the other, I feel like a walking dead man. I can't even hardly get out of the bed in the morning. I tremble all day. I tremble all night. Don't get the proper sleep. I, my first question to them would be this. Have you been to the doctor? And suppose they were saying, well, no, I hadn't been. And... Brother Richard would tell me that all the time. I can, I can tell you these things because he's in heaven now, and I 
going to have to see him in the lobby. But he, he's, I want to tell me these things. And I said, Rich, have you been to the doctor? No. I had been. I said, when you going? I don't know. But suppose somebody had all of this stuff and you say, you've been to the doctor. And I say, no, I haven't been to the doctor. And, and then I were to say, or you were to say, well, are you getting enough nourishment? Are you eating? And, and they were to say to you, well, I'll tell you the truth, I'm not eating anything. I got all this stuff. I had not been to the doctor and I'm not eating. Pastor, the neighbor has to come in here and spoon feed me three times a week. Then I would say, well, there's no wonder why you're so weak. If you're not getting the proper rest and the nourishment that you need personally, no wonder you're in the condition that you're in. But here's the thing. If I can spiritualize this just for a moment, there's a lot of Christians, believers, who operate in the same realm. And they're not feeding on the word. They're, they're not applying that warmth of the scripture to their hurting soul. They're so weak in their spiritual life. And listen, I'm not talking about getting down. We all get down. I'm not talking about feeling depressed at times. We all do. I do. You do. That's a fact. That's a given. But here's the thing. We, we, we cannot just read the scripture every now and then and hope that it's all going to line up. We can't pray just every now and then. Read a verse in the Bible every now and then. We, we've got, in order for us to be spiritually strong, because if we're not, the devil, the serpent's going to affect our mind. When he gets in our mind, he's going to affect our heart. When he affects our heart, we're going to still tarry in Jerusalem. We, when we should be doing the things that God has set us out to do, we're going to say, I don't feel well enough to do that. We won't be doing the things we should be doing if we get into that, to that degree. We've got to feast on the word every day. I think one of the reasons why so many of us have what we think is insurmountable challenges at times is because of the sin of omission. We're not doing the things that we need to do. Let me move on with the closing point here tonight. The third and final point to verse 17. We've been in this verse for three or four weeks now, but it's a dangerous sin, and I want you to see this. The sin of omission, I believe, is the father and the mother sin of all other sins. Because if you do the things that you ought to be doing, it's like when the Scripture says no man can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters at one time. And you cannot be thinking good things at the same time when you're thinking bad things. It, it's impossible. And so, but if we're not doing the things that we should be doing, and David's story here is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, then you cannot be doing the things that you ought not to be doing. Look back in James 4.15, where I know we're in 17, but let's look at verse 15 just for a moment. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Every day we ought to be asking God, what is it that he would have us to do? Perhaps the Lord has placed certain people on your heart to spend an excessive amount of time in prayer for specifically. Now, if you don't do that, I mean, God's laid somebody on your heart. He's either impressed upon you to go see them. 
He's impressed upon you to pray for them. He's impressed upon you to interact and intervene somehow in their life. And you don't do that. That's the sin of omission. I want to look at one final scripture. We'll close for tonight. In 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 23. This will be a good stopping place for us tonight in this passage. 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. So let me ask you this. Has God told you to minister to somebody? If you fail to do it, as I gave it to you last week in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 18, the prophet Ezekiel said that their blood will be required upon our hands. The sin of omission is not doing bad things. It's failing to do the things that we know that we ought to be doing or that we should be doing. So let me ask you in closing tonight, where where are we lining up with this thing? Could it be that the sin of omission has interrupted God's blessings or God's intervention in your life? That's a real possibility. Getting this right I think will have a huge, significant effect on your life. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.